Welcome to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. I'll be your tenderfoot tale teller, JC. This tale is called Bittersweet Mead by Mike Brow. And dear listener, if you want to submit your tale, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. He woke in a cold sweat and breathing heavily. Born to a human father and an elven mother, Calais had lived a simple and happy life. His father brewed small batches of his own mead near their small cabin on the edge of the woods and sold it to the local harbor town of Gartal in the land of Seville. He wasn't a wealthy man, and his mead could have easily been sold for more. But his father was an honest and hardworking man, and wanted to be sure that others like him could enjoy his brew. His mother filled the house with the smell of wildflowers she picked in the woods, and delicious foods with various herbs and spices that grew in abundance nearby. They met when his father was out in the woods collecting honey one day. He'd gotten used to the occasional sting here and there, but on that day, the bees seemed particularly annoyed at being disturbed and came out of their hive in a heavy swarm. Stung repeatedly, he fell from the branch he was on and crashed down to the ground below. He was woken to the feel of a cool damp cloth across his forehead and the sight of a beautiful elven woman. Mess with the nest and you're likely to get stung, she said with a warm smile. His father attempted to laugh but only let out a small groan as the stings had swollen his entire face. The elven woman helped him up and walked him back to his house where she cared after him. They quickly fell in love and married and soon had a little boy named Calais. Every time his father left to collect honey, his mother would just smile and slowly shake her head. Mess with the nest and you're likely to get stung. My father would simply laugh and say, I love you too. And so life was with Calais and the Adrian family. Then one day, when Calais was 14, his father left as he always did to collect honey. His parents said their usual lines as he walked out the door. By the time they had finished their lunch, his father still had not returned. His mother smiled and shook her head. Probably mess with the wrong nest again, she said. Start cleaning up, and I'll go bring him back home. Calais hugged his mother and nodded. It wasn't the first time, or even the tenth. His father had been stung to various degrees numerous times over the years, and every now and again needed a little help getting back home. Calais went about his chores happily, and by the time he was done, the sun had just begun to descend into the tops of nearby trees. He sat at the window and looked out to the wood line, waiting for his parents to come into view. The sun dipped even lower, and his stomach had started to grumble. It was dinner time, and his parents still had not returned. By nightfall, Calais was worried. His parents should have returned by now. Grabbing his jacket, Calais headed into the woods. He'd gone with his father to collect honey enough time to know where his usual spots were. The woods were unusually quiet as he entered beyond the tree line. He walked along the pathway to the spot he figured his parents might be. Each spot was empty, and Calais couldn't see any signs of them being there. The air grew colder as time passed, and Calais almost decided to head back home, in case his parents had already made it back when he saw the glint of something shiny on the forest floor a few feet away. He warily made his way towards the object, and as he came around the last tree, sight was his father's sword. His father told him that the occasional wolf or bear would cross his path and always took the sword with him just in case. Calais bent down and picked up the sword when he heard the sound of a twig snapping behind him. Spinning around, Calais was suddenly hit across the head and knocked to the ground. Blinking through his darkening vision, Calais tried to focus on his surroundings and find out what had hit him. Through the trees, he saw them, a pair of glowing eyes and the silhouette of a large beast. In one hand, it clutched a large morning star. In the other was the severed head of his parents. Calais tried to scream, but no sound came out. The beast stepped out of the shadows, a hungry smirk forming on its fur-covered face. Calais could finally see the beast clearly, and recognized it from one of his adventuring books. It was a bugbear. The beast loomed closer, and raised the morning star above its head and let out a howl, revealing a row of jagged, needle-like teeth. Calais waited for the final blow, waited to join his parents in the afterlife, but it never came. Before the beast finished its howl, it turned back and fled into the darkness. The last thing Calais saw before losing consciousness was an arrow struck half-shaft deep in the beast's arm. It was a reoccurring nightmare for Calais, 
Normally, having a drink before falling asleep helped keep the memory at bay, but last night, after training, he was too exhausted and promptly passed out. Suddenly, a head poked into his tent, letting a stream of early morning light suddenly shine into his eyes. The dream again? A gruff voice asked. Calais merely nodded. Come on then, we'll get some early morning training in before breakfast. Brium was a guard for a trade caravan that traveled throughout the land. His group had been traveling through the woods for many years, and he was the one who shot the bugbear, saving Calais' life. It was finally a week before Calais had finally woken up. The scream he tried to get out that night finally gained sound, causing the caravan to suddenly stop. Brim was right next to him in an instant and spoke to him in a firm but calming voice. You alright boy, you're safe. Calais looked around wildly. He noticed his father's sword laying beside him and quickly picked it up, pointing it at Brim. Where am I? Where are my parents? They're gone boy. I'm sorry, but they're gone. Lost a man doing it, but we made sure to give him a proper burial. My name is Brim. I'm a guard for this trade caravan. We've been taking care of you for the past couple of days. Calais simply stared at the man, searching for any sign in his eyes that it was a lie, that it had all been just a bad dream. He found none. Slowly, Calais lowered his arms and gripped the sword even tighter. He felt the burning sting in his eyes as tears flowed down his face. For the next few days, Calais didn't speak, and no one in the caravan pushed him to. He would just sit on his bedroll in the wagon, his father's sword never leaving his side. Brim would bring him food, and Calais would eat it up without even acknowledging what was in front of him. One night, while everyone was sitting down around the campfire for dinner, Brian brought Calais his food like usual and found the boy holding the sword across his lap, staring at it longingly. When we got you, you were holding that sword. Even as we picked you up unconscious, you didn't let it go. Was it your father's? Calais slowly nodded. I'm sorry, boy. I truly am. No child should ever have to lose their parents, especially in such a sudden and brutal way. Calais finally looked up at the man. Can I see where they're buried? Brian looked at him solemnly. That wouldn't be wise, young one. As I said before, we lost another guard in those woods, and the word in the surrounding town is there's something evil growing in there. Travelers tell of hushed whispers being heard in the trees and small attacks becoming more common. But I want you to know that you're welcome to stay with us as long as you want. It's not a grand life, but it's better than wandering the wilds or ending up in some church orphanage. Thank you, he managed. Of course, boy. Mind if I eat with you? Calais shook his head. Brium sat on the end of the wagon, causing it to dip slightly under his heavy armor. They silenced silence for a while both eating their dinner of deer stew. Finally, Brim spoke up. Do you know how to use that thing? He asked, gesturing towards the sword. No, replied Calais. Do you want to learn? He only shrugged in response. All right then, eat up and gather your strength, boy. Training starts in half an hour. He slid off the edge of the wagon and turned towards the young half-elf. What's your name, son? Hate to keep calling you boy. You're part of the caravan now, after all. Calais. Calais Adrian. Calais Adrian, eh? Good strong name, that is. But bit of a mouthful for a simple caravan man such as myself, he said with a smile. If it's alright with you, I'm just gonna call you Cal. And so it was for the next few years. The caravan traveled in the towns and cities of Savelle, and Brian would train Calais in the mornings and in the evenings between traveling and trade times. You're getting better, Cal, glowed Brian during an evening training session. You got a decent swing to your arm, and you're learning how to anticipate your opponent's openings. Problem is, you're leaving too many openings for yourself, and are too slow to bring back your sword to protect yourself. But, I have an idea. Varric, bring me your shield. A short, scrawny man by the campfire slowly stood and slightly stumbled his way towards the pair, clearly impaired by the ale he'd been drinking. Varric was another guard the caravan had picked up in a small harbor town. He was from the land of Dife and had a clear dislike for the half-elf Calais. What for? He asked with a slight slur. Gonna have Cal here try it out, see if it works out for him. At this point, the rest of the caravan around the fire had turned around to watch. They knew Varric's feeling towards the young boy and were interested to see how it turned out. 
Why should I let some half-elf twerk use my shield? Sneered Varric. He may be half-elf, you daft drunkard, but he's twice the man you are. And if you want to keep earning money to keep yourself a snake and piss at, you'll hand over your shield, replied Briam. A roar of laughter erupted around the campfire as Varric gave the shield over to Briam in embarrassment. Briam handed the shield over to Cal. Try this. You'll have to adjust how you attack now to account for the added weight and the bulk, but I think it might just do the trick for you. Calais rubbed the sleeve from his eyes and got dressed in his usual garb, consisting of sturdy boots, hide leather pants, and a light long sleeve tunic with a belt and a leather vest before heading out of his tent. The smell of cooking breakfast drifted through the air as he picked up the sword and shield from the tree he had set it up against. It had taken some getting used to, but he was getting more and more comfortable with using his shield. Briam had taught him when it was best to take the full force of a blow, and when to roll the shield with the blow to create a bigger opening. He had even managed to help defend the caravan one night when a small group of goblins had suddenly attacked, which earned him a small amount of gold and a round of drinks around the campfire when it was all over. There would have been drinks regardless of a goblin attack with this group, but it seemed to even taste better to Kyle that night. Ready? asked Briam. Calais smiled and took his stance. Always ready for you, old-timer? Briam laughed. I've still got a few tricks that might surprise you. The training felt different to Calais this time. He wasn't sure why, but he felt as though Briam was pushing him harder than usual as they went back and forth at each other. Calais responded in kind and met every blow with a shield and counterattack heavily. Maybe it was the nightmares. The image of the bugbear holding his parents' head like a twisted trophy made him feel like a fire was building inside his chest that was waiting to burst. Finally, he saw his chance. Briam was coming in for a sweep across his shield side. Calais moved his shield to block the incoming blow and began to thrust his shield towards Briam's open chest. I've got him now. Before he could finish his thought, Briam brought the sword under the shield and back up, deflecting Cal's thrust in the blink of an eye. Still turning his body, Briam brought the sword up and around in a powerful arc, slamming into the turn blade of Calais' sword. The force of the blow jarred from the blade from Cal's hands disarmed him as he stumbled backwards. Calais shook off the tingling in his arm and smiled at Briam. You've been holding back on me, old man. I've never seen you move like that. Briam wasn't smiling though, nor did he reply. He was looking down at the ground where the sword lay in the sparse grass with the lost look in his eyes. Curious, Calais walked towards Briam to see what was wrong. I'm so sorry, Cal. I didn't mean to, Briam said solemnly. As he got close enough, Calais felt a sudden empty pain in his chest. The sword, his father's sword, had broken under the powerful blow from Briam. Calais knew the sword was old and was never properly maintained, but he felt as though his only connection to his parents was now gone. He wasn't angry at Briam, as he knew he would never do anything intentionally to hurt him. All he felt was a numbness slowly spreading through his body. He picked up the broken pieces and held them close to his chest as he silently began to cry. Briam gently placed a hand on the boy's shoulder, then walked away to leave him to his grieving. A few days later, the caravan came to a stop at another town and began to set up their wares outside the city's entrance. Calais had barely spoken for the remainder of the trip and for their part, the rest of the caravan let him be. As the caravan went about setting up their tents and laying down the merchandise, Briam walked to Calais, who was holding the broken sword and a rolled up blanket. I'll understand if you don't want to speak to me, Cal, but please listen. There's a woman in this town, one of the best blacksmiths I know, and very selective for the job she'll take. I can't promise anything, but if anyone's able to mend your father's blade around here, it's her. Calais's eyes suddenly glowed with life as he looked up at Briam. Really? Do you think she'll do it? He asked hopefully. She might. Might took a little time, and no small amount of charm on my part, but she just might. Owes me a favor for a little trip I made for her a little while back anyways. The trouble will be finding her. She always liked to move her shop around the city, and it's been years since I've seen her. Calais looked down at the rolled up blanket holding his father's sword and slowly held it up. Briam gently took and smiled at the boy warmly. Give me a week, he said, carefully placing the blanket into his pack. I'll do everything I can to find her.
Kalei spent his day sitting in the open top cart staring expectedly at the city gate. Occasionally, a member of the caravan would ask him to bring extra goods on the cart over to them, but he always returned to a spot, waiting. It was the tenth day that he finally saw the familiar face of Briam come through the gates with a crate of supplies in his arms. Behind him came a small gnome woman carrying a long wooden box. Kalais jumped down from the cart and waited. Kalais, this is Lanai, Briam said as he approached. Sorry for the long wait. It took a little longer than I expected to find her at first. It wouldn't have been so hard if you visited more often, she quickly replied. It's nice to meet you, Kalais. Briam here told me much about you. I'm sorry for your loss. She set the box down in the grass and opened it revealing a beautiful longsword with small designs etched alongside the blade that gleamed in the bright afternoon sun. This is for you. I'm sorry, but I wasn't able to remake your father's blade to what it once was. The metal was too brittle, and it would have shortened it too much to try and remake it. This, however, is one of the finest swords I've ever made. So, as long as you take care of it, it should see you through many years ahead. Calais felt his heart sink and attempted the best smile that he could as he thanked her for the generous gift. I know it's not what you had hoped for, she said, seeing the sadness in the young half-elf's eyes. But, after hearing your story from Briam here, I was able to put your father's sword to another use. Go ahead, Briam. Briam set the crate down and pulled out a steel heater shield before handing it over. Calais took it and looked it over. The face of the shield looked like any normal shield, save for the rather odd dome shape in the middle of it. Try it out, Lanai said with a small hint of excitement in her voice. Calais flipped the shield over, gripping the handle. That's when he saw it. Just above his hand, etched into the back of the shield were the words, Mess with the nest and you're likely to get stung. The young half-elf simply stared as he read the words, his mother's voice suddenly filling his mind. His eyes felt the gentle sting as tears started to form. Lanai spoke again. See the button on the end of the handle, next to where the thumb is? Press it. He did so, and felt a sudden movement, and heard the sound of metal sliding quickly but smoothly. Looking at the front of the shield now, he saw that the odd dome shaped in the middle of it had several spikes coming out of it, each about four inches long. I wasn't able to remake your father's sword, but I was able to smelt down the remains and make it into those spikes you see there. It's not what you wanted, but I hope you like it, Lanai said sweetly. Calais released the buns, and the spikes retracted back into the shield. He looked once more at his mother's words, and felt as if a small part of his past life has been brought back. A smile grew on his face as the tears finally started to fall. They weren't the bitter pain tears of loss. The tears felt warm and cleansing on his cheeks, as he suddenly let go of the shield and wrapped his arms around Lanai in a tight hug. Thank you, he managed to say after letting her go. Lanai simply smiled. Your parents may be gone from this world, Cal. Briam gently spoke, but their love and strength will always protect you and fight alongside you. Calais took the shield up again as he wiped the tears from his face and thanked them both again. One last thing before I go, said Lanai. Calais had been practicing with his new sword and shield as the other two watched. Briam once again reached into the crate and pulled out a suit of scale mail and a small package. He handed the armor over to Calais, who began to put it on. If you're going to be out escorting a caravan and delivering packages, then you best look the part, he said. The armor fit perfectly and allowed Calais all the range of motion he would need in a fight as he took a few practice swings with his sword. Briam and Lanai both nodded in approval. Looks like that's that then, she said. If you ever need any new weapons or armor, be sure to come see me, alright? Of course, replied Cal as he hugged her again. She headed towards the city gates and yelled back. Make sure that package makes it, Cal. The armor of yours is a delivery fee, so I'm trusting you to get it there. She disappeared from view. What package? Asked Calais. Briam thrust a small leather wrap box into his chest. This one, apparently, holds a small potion meant for one of her kin that's fallen ill in Pagos. We're going to Pagos? Asked Cal. Not we. You, Cal. I've taught you all I can, and you're a young man now. Time to venture out and make your own story. Plus, Pagos is just too bloody cold for my taste. Briam added as he laughed. He pulled out a well-made backpack that was already prepped and readied. 
went out and bought all the supplies you'll need for the trip, and got you set up to travel on a ship out of that harbor here that's heading to that frozen wasteland. You'll have plenty of the usual provisions, as well as a wool coat I picked out for it when it starts getting cold on the ship. There's another gift in the backpack, but you're not allowed to open it until you set sail. Calais stood motionless. The last eight years of his life had been spent with Briam in the caravan. They were like family, and now he's being sent out on his own. Briam could sense the panic building inside the half-elf and placed a hand on his shoulders. This isn't goodbye, Cal. We'll see each other again. You know our routes by now, and can figure out where we are when you come back. You'll always be welcomed around our campfire. Calais smiled, and even though he was still sad, he knew Briam was right. It was time to go out and live his life. The old caravan guard clapped him on the shoulders and smiled. All right then. Let's say we get one more round of training in before supper. Tonight, we'll all celebrate. Calais woke up the next morning to the sound of someone yelling his name. Cal, come on boy, you're gonna miss the ship if you sleep any longer. The entire caravan indeed celebrated the night before, with lots of good food, singing, dancing, and even more drinking than usual. Calais had his fair share in the merriment. He groaned as he forced himself to get up and dressed in his clothes, throwing his armor over it. He started to tear down his tent when Briam came up behind him. Don't worry about that, Cal. I bought you a new one. It's already attached to your backpack. Get it on. We gotta get to the other side of town before the ship leaves. Calais quickly attached the belt with his sword and its new scabbard around his waist, and slipped his arms through the straps of the backpack before picking up his shield. He quickly said his goodbyes to the few members of the caravan that weren't still passed out, and followed Briam into the city. Calais had been into a few towns over the years, but preferred staying outside when he could. The quietness helped to remind him of happier years of his young life in his family home. The pair quickly made their way through the early morning crowds of merchants setting up their stalls and opening their shops. They managed to make it to the docks just in time as the captain of the ship saw them coming. Hurry up, we are just about to cast off without you. Be safe on your travels, Cal. I expect to hear some tales by the time I see you again, the old man said. You will, Briam, I promise. Thank you for everything you've done for me, replied Calais. Briam nodded and hugged him. Don't forget to open your presents once you've cast off. The two broke their hug, and Calais simply nodded at the man. With no words left to be said, he stepped onto the gangplank and boarded the ship. As the ship pulled up the walkway and had secured the ropes, Calais opened the main flap of his backpack and found a parchment-wrapped bottle. He tore the paper open and pulled it out. Forest Honey Mead, the label read, with a picture of a simple cabin in front of a forest. It was the mead his father used to brew. Calais looked at Briam in shock as he simply waved back at the young half-elf from the docks down below. The ocean journey went rather smoothly and uneventful. Calais wrapped the wool cloak around him as he took a swig from his father's mead from his personal flask. The air was getting colder, but the mead spread like a warm, gentle glow with every drink. When they made it to landfall, Calais asked around the dock for the gnome he was making the delivery to, and was quickly given directions. He found the place easily enough, and the family thanked him profusely at making the delivery as they handed him a small amount of gold. Tired and yearning to lay in a bed that didn't rock back and forth, Calais found a local tavern with rooms available. He ate a warm, hearty meal and drank some local ale, which was quite strong. He loved the taste of his father's meat, but wanted to make the bottle last as long as possible and the tavern's brute was certainly having enough of an effect on him. The tavern was full, as there was a couple of ships at the docks, and the place was lively with the sound of music and laughter. Suddenly, Calais felt a hand on his shoulder. Ain't no stinking half-elf gonna be sitting in my spot, said a rather drunken voice. Calais turned and saw a rather disheveled-looking man with a scraggly beard and matted hair. Normally, he would let the comment go and gone about his evening, but the ale was having its effect, and Calais remembered suddenly that one night where Varric all those years ago began to laugh at him loudly. What's so funny, eh? Still laughing, Calais replied with Briam's words. I may be a half-elf, but I'm twice the man you are. Just like back then, there was a roar of laughter from the patrons close enough to hear. He turned back, picking up his tanker to take a drink, when the hand on his shoulder spun him around. 
Kalei saw the man's other hand reeling back in a closed fist to deliver a punch. In a flash, all the years of training kicked in. He knew he didn't have enough time to get his sword or shield, so he used what was in his hands, his tankard of ale. Thrusting it up, he caught the man square in the chin, causing the man to stumble back into a table full of patrons and beer. What happened next was only natural under such circumstances. A bar fight broke out. Chairs and tables were flipped over and broken, and copious amount of alcohol was flying through the air. When it all was said and done, those who were still standing either left or found themselves a seat and drank. Calais was slightly winded, having never faced so many opponents at once, but was for the most part unharmed. He picked up a stool and sat back down at the bar, still holding his tankard. Forgetting he had used it during the fight, he was angry to find it empty, and threw the metal cup with disregard. As it sailed through the air, a local guard came into the door, and had just begun to yell for an explanation when a flying projectile hit him flatly in the face. At first hearing the new voice, Calais had started to turn around towards the door just in time to see the cup he had thrown hit the guard. In his inebriated state, he couldn't help but laugh loudly. The guard didn't find it so amusing, unfortunately. Calais looked up just in time to see the pommel of a sword being brought down upon his head before blacking out. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. If you want to share your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this tale, share it with your friends, family, and adventuring party. And if you can, please leave a review to help this reach the entirety of the planes of existence. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter for teasers and updates. Again, thanks for listening, and return in a fortnight for the next episode. That's two weeks. Bye!